Hi, sisters. I'm so excited to share this woman of faith with you, Amy Carmichael. Boy, could I relate with her story. She was a woman sold out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am super excited for you guys to learn from her and glean from her. And I pray that this story blesses you and encourages you in your own walk. Love learning about women that have gone before us, that cloud of witnesses that is cheering us on, ladies. So enjoy this episode. Hi, family. Welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real-life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood, and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's Word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning His Word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Hi, sisters. Welcome back. I'm so excited to share this um, woman of faith with you guys. Uh, I Today, we are going to be talking about Amy Carmichael. Uh, I have learned a lot about her just in researching her more uh, in, in this teaching and really has brought a lot of inspiration to me. I could really relate with uh, several things and and her heart for God and her discipleship. And so I'm excited to share this woman with you today. I love going back and looking at women in history uh, that have really made an impact on our Christian faith and done things for the Lord because we as women are called and designed to do a lot for the Lord. He has such a special place for you and I in the body of Christ. And I think for a long time, we have been suppressed or uh, oppressed and and made to feel like we don't have much of um, uh, much to offer other than being a wife or a mom, which that is amazing. Like I never want to downplay that because that is such a high call to um, manage a home and disciple our children up and for the next generation of, uh, Christ followers. And so that is like the greatest call that God gives us. But within that, we also have these beautiful gifts that have been given to us for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think of like single women who sometimes don't know what they can do for, for the kingdom work. And sometimes empty nesters, which is where I find myself and we can think, Oh, what do I do now? And the older generation, and, you know, maybe I haven't found my husband or I don't plan on getting married. I feel the call to just uh, serve the Lord, which is what we're going to see here with Amy Carmichael. And, you know, there is a beautiful place 
in the body of Christ that we have amazing gifts to offer the the body and to build the body up and help mature the body in the Lord. And so I hope that these um, teachings about women of faith that have gone before us are blessing you as much as they're blessing me. And so let's just get into it with Amy Carmichael. She was born in 1867 in Ireland. It's so beautiful. She was born in a Christian home, a solid Presbyterian uh, home where her parents were sold out for the Lord and they had their own business. They were entrepreneurs and they were just very devoted to the things of the Lord. So she was raised in a strong Christian home, a very orthodox Christian home, which is, you know, Presbyterian. And she loved the Lord. She, you know, always professed him and and, and believed in him and, and really wanted to serve him. But when she went off to, she went off to a boarding school, uh, a Wesleyan boarding school when she was 15. And that is when she really realized her sin and her need for a savior. And it was more than just a religion that she was raised in. It had become personal and real to her while she was attending this school. She is, that's what she'll say is when she repented and truly put her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, she says he was no longer just my savior, which I knew I needed, but he really became my Lord. And that is when she became truly born again and received that regenerated work of the Holy Spirit. And she also felt the call to uh, children and to really help children was why she was going to this boarding school. They had had a children's ministry and she immediately became a part of it and just loved uh, teaching children the word of God and, and sowing into them the things of the Lord. And so that kind of became her, her, um, what she was kind of known for. She was just drawn to children, drawn to working with children. And her father had passed away and she was helping her mother and like really tending to the household chores and going to church and doing all these things. That's kind of what she was doing in her teenage years. She wasn't really focused on what like a lot of the other girls were focused on at the time, which were like fashion or getting married, like looking at boys and, and the cultural things. She was really devoted to prayer and learning the word of God. Even as a teenager, when she became born again at 15, she really pressed in to learning the word of God for herself and spending time with the father, spending time alone with the Lord. And that really became her passion. Well, one day she was at church on a Sunday, and this is where she'll tell you another very pivotal moment in her life where she, every just another change within herself. She was walking home from church in the, in the square. It was a very busy square. And she was with a couple of her siblings, a couple of brothers. And she saw this elderly woman who was uh, clearly poor, clearly feeble, you know, outcast, but she was carrying all these very heavy packages or what I don't know those packages or food or whatever bundles she had these very heavy bundles and her and her brothers immediately went to her aid and said can we help you 
and they grab the packages and she remembers taking the arm of the lady and, and hoping hold her up to walk her through the square to get her home. And the higher society people, which were Christians, were like looking at these kids like, why are you doing this? Why are you helping basically the least of these? Why are you, you know, doing this work? And she remembers seeing the looks on their faces like they were you know, almost disgusted that they would go and help and, and have, you know, anything to do with the outcasts of society. And they were all prim and proper and had their hats on and they're coming back from Sunday service. And she remembers that in that moment, she, it was almost as if the crowd had disappeared or it just like all of a sudden it just wasn't there. And she looked up and she just almost saw this scripture come across her mind or her heart. And it was the scripture of 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 14. And I'm going to read it to you because I think it's, you know, really profound. And she says, here's what she saw in, in this, in this moment among all these people for no one can lay a foundation other than that, which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold or silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation serves survives, he will receive a reward. And so she saw the people, you know, that just got out of church and yet what kind of works are they really doing? And that someday we're all going to face that day of judgment, even as Christians, though we will not be judged on our sin, we will be judged at the work that we did. What did we do with the time and the talent and the treasure that has been so graciously handed to us after our salvation? Was it just a religious thing? Is it just going to church and, and, and saying all the right Christianese things and giving a little bit of money in the plate? Or are we really living a life sold out to Christ? Are we really following the teachings of Jesus Christ? And for her and her siblings that day, without even thinking, they saw someone in need and immediately came to their aid. And yet the religious people saw that as like, what are you doing? Why would you, you know, help someone like that? And yet that should be the very essence of being a Christian. And it was at that point, she said that her walk completely changed again, where she knew that she was committed to the work of Jesus Christ, and she was committed to being a true Christ follower. And so she ended up starting um, all these little Bible studies and uh, opening up her home to neighborhood children and neighborhood people and teaching the word and just discipling and, and really, you know, just pouring her life out daily. She was having people in for prayer. She was doing all these things. And she was a young girl. She was still, um, I think she was still a teenager at the time when she was doing this, but she had devoted her life every day to how can I get the word of God into people in my local area, whether it be children, women, um, she would even have a night were dedicated to just the boys, little boys, not men, but little boys of the neighborhood. And she would just teach these boys the word of God. Well, eventually she had 
kind of got her eyes on these um, young kids, these girls that worked for the mill. And now this would have been the very poor part of society. They worked at the mill. It was a very uh, poor and, and uh, dirty job. And so she started ministering to these kids. And these children were called the Shawleys. And the reason why they were called the Shawleys is because they were so poor, they could not afford to put a hat on to go to church. So they would just take their shawl and wear it over their head. And they were called the Shawleys. It was actually kind of a demeaning name by the other Christians where they would say, oh, these Shawleys are coming in. They're dirty. They're poor. And what was happening is um, Amy was taking these Shawleys and bringing them to church with her on Sundays. And so they were coming into the church and they were, they didn't have money and they didn't have the fine clothes and they didn't have all the things that the, the elite had inside the church. And so Amy, as she was bringing more and more of these kids in, she was getting more and more persecuted by them. Like, gosh, we really don't want all these, what you would say, riffraff or the least of these. We don't, it's kind of, it, it hurts our image as a church. And so she's like, you know, this is not the right attitude for us to have. And so her family ended up buying uh, another building or um, yeah, they bought like this building. I forget the name of it now, but they turned it into an outreach center for these specific children and that anybody could come and anybody could um, receive and learn the word of God without you know, judgment without being persecuted based on what social status and economic status you were in. So she would bring them in there. And then she also wanted to help them, you know, just get more educated and learn. And so she brought in like educational classes and it was just this really beautiful outreach center for the community to come and feel safe and have a place to uh, be the church. And I just thought that that was so beautiful because I could really resonate with that, with um, us having our outreach center. And that was really the purpose for our outreach center as well, is to be able to, anybody could come and and feel welcome and there would be a place for you and so many different ministries, you know, walking, running out of it from the food pantry to homeschool co-ops to just all these Bible studies and prayer nights and everything. And it was just, it was so beautiful. And so I really resonate with that because I will be, I'm going to be really vulnerable and, and share the truth that I too have experienced this so often um, in going to different churches that, you know, when you start bringing in the least of these, the ones who don't necessarily look like the perfect, um, you know, religious person, whatever that's supposed to look like, that they, there's a lot of rejection and they almost get, they don't know what to do with them. They just them off to the back. They don't, they don't see them as valuable for discipleship. They don't see them as somebody they can groom up to be, um, part of the CEO model, right? Like you, you, they don't see them as somebody worth putting time into because, you know, they don't see them as management material, if that makes sense, because we have, you know, if we're just going to have an honest conversation, we, we have, you know, turned our churches into more of an, a, a business model instead of what it really is. And it's supposed to be a family and a community. And even the least of these as the members is supposed to have the highest esteem in Corinthians 12, first Corinthians 12. And so, so I can kind of relate to that and just wanting that place, that outreach center for, for those people. And that is one of the reasons why we opened our outreach center was for that very reason because we had seen so much of that within even our own ministry, the outcasts and not 
being accepted and, and certain people not being accepted. And so um, that was really one of the hearts of our outreach center as well. And so I was really resonated with that. I thought that was just so beautiful to see that she had that heart, you know, and that in the late 1800s, that stuff was still going on. It just goes to show you that, you know, man's sin is, is there's nothing new under the sun. There's still that sin of partiality that James talks about how we, we, we treat the, the rich man so well, or the person that has that great title or the, the, the celebrity. Cause now we deal with a lot of celebrity pastors and celebrityism in the Christian community and man, we roll out the red carpet for them, you know, but when the prostitute comes in or the drunkard comes in or the person who's really battling or, or really grieving, going through something, we tend to push them off to the side, or maybe the disabled person, or maybe the autistic person that, you know, they think, oh, well, they're autistic. And so they don't see their value. And yet they have such a beautiful value in the body of Christ. They, they are a part of the body and God has given them gifts too. And we need to recognize those gifts and speak into those gifts and encourage those gifts and love them for who God made them to be because we are a family, we are brothers and sisters. And so I just thought that was really beautiful. So anyways, I know I got a little bit off there, but it was, it was worth mentioning. So anyway, so she became really committed to the, so she started this outreach center and it was just so beautiful. Well, after, you know, several years of, you know, working in her local community and working with all these children and the least of these and all that she did, she really heard the call to go overseas um, and, and become a missionary overseas. She felt very strongly in her spirit one day, the Lord say, it is time to go, time to go. And that's all she heard, it's time to go. And she knew that she was supposed to go to overseas. Well, one thing about Amy Carmichael is she, in all of this, she suffered from a very painful nerve disease where her nerves were just shot, like, like physically her actual nerves in her body. And it would cause extreme pain and disability. And yet she worked through all of this. And I just, I love that because we live in a culture where we want to be healed. We want to be, and it's not that we want to suffer and like healing and God does still heal today. He does miracles. I've seen him do amazing things, but at the end of the day, like, it's almost like if we're not walking in prosperity and we're not walking in healing, then there's something wrong with our faith. That's what we're being told or God's not happy with you or you've sinned or you've done something wrong. And I look at some of these men and women that I'm studying in our church history and the amazing things that they did. And they did it in adversity. They did it in pain. They did it despite their circumstance. I think of Fanny Crosby that we did several weeks ago and she did it all blind. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have to heal her. She was used right how she was. And, and, and here we are, this woman that's in so much pain and, and going, has her own disability. It was incurable at the time. And so anyway, so she was called, so she felt called. She really wanted to go to China. She went to try to get into China and the missionary uh, alliance there would not let her in. They just said, you're too disabled. You're too sick. And we don't want you here um, in China to do the work. And so she thought, man, Lord, I really thought you wanted me to go to China. And so she kind of pulled back and did some more praying and just seeking the Lord and waited on his timing and a door to Japan opened up for her. And so she went to Japan and she was in Japan for about 15 months doing open air preaching, teaching the word of God and to, to children and women ended up getting really sick by the 
by the end of that tour, she, her body was just breaking down from the disease that she had had. And so she's like, man, I really don't want to leave the field. I want to stay here. I want to continue being a missionary, but I almost feel like I need to go home, but I'm going to try to stay here. But then somebody had passed away at home and she needed to go home anyway. So it ended up being God's providence that she went back to England for a season got strengthened back up in the body when she ended up going to India. And India is where she stayed. She never did return back to England. This would have been, this is where she stayed for the rest of her life. So sisters, we're actually going to end there. I did turn this into a part two series because it went on kind of long. So I figured we will take the next episode and talk about her time in India and the end of her life. But I want to leave you with a prayer. I thank you for listening. Lord, I just pray that you just bless my sisters today, Father God. I pray that as we are learning and gleaning from other sisters that have gone before us, that we are encouraged by their walk, encouraged by their dedication to you, encouraged by their bravery, Father God. And and Lord, that you would just continue to develop in us our personal testimony, our personal walk, our personal commission to you, and using our gifts and talents to bless the body and to bless the world in your name. And Lord, I just, again, I just pray blessings over my sisters, over their homes, over their families, over their um, finances, God, just whatever they're going through, Lord, that they would know that you are right there with them, walking them through it, Father God, and that everything that we are going through is for our good and will be used for your glory because we love you so much and you love us so much. And we God bless you, sisters. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would. Head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's Word. Again, don't forget, guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.